and welcome to NSTA, The Bus Stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, here today with a new guest. It's Sugander, Director, Electric School Bus Initiative for World Resources Institute. So you're made verge maiden voyage on the bus stop, Sue. So welcome. Great. Well, thank you, Kurt. It's it's great to be here. And I live across the street from a bus stop, but I know this is this is more of a virtual bus stop. So I'm I'm just excited to be with you and and talk more about my favorite topic, which is electric school buses. Well, terrific. So thanks for joining us. Maybe we can start with folks not knowing what World Resources Institute is, so you can tell them a little bit about it. Sure, sure, absolutely. So World Resources Institute is it's a global research organization. So we're folks that come together and gather a lot of data and do a lot of analysis and really think through what are the solutions that we can move forward on. And we look at this intersection of people and the planet and been working for over 40 years um, on a whole variety of topics. Um, we've got about 1,700 staff working around the globe and you know, done a, a fair amount of past work um, around the issue of um, transportation electrification and had this great opportunity to apply that learning to the topic of school buses. Yeah, that's great. And you and I probably met virtually uh, during the, uh, I guess, the pandemic, but met virtually probably a year and a half ago. And so it's been great engaging with you. It'd be great if you can give our listeners a little look into your background and and what you do specifically at WRI. Sure, sure. Well, I have the great pleasure of being the director of our electric school bus initiative. It is a fairly new initiative, not quite two years old now, and definitely the strength, one of the strengths we have is all the partners that we work with, you know, different organizations like NSTA, but a whole host of folks across the spectrum. My background is in environmental energy, transportation, policy, and technology. So I've been working for, you know, quite some time, a couple decades on helping think through solutions around those two areas. And what's great about electric school buses is they really bring together, you know, all of those topics, you know, as well as a host of others and, and, you know, education and, you know, just, you know, economic development, et cetera. So um, it was great to be able to take, you know, my background and, and assemble a, a amazing team, you know, that, that really comes at this from a whole bunch of different perspectives and be able to put together a team that, that is helping to, you know, provide support and, 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 and reach our mission, which is to create unstoppable momentum to electrify the entire fleet of U.S. school buses by 2030 and to focus on equity as, as part of that mission. So um, it's, been a, it's been a great ride so far. All right. No pun intended, right? I'm all about the puns. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So, you know, you talked about WRI, you know, kind of, and this is no pun intended, but globally, but, um, you, you know, for, for the organization to focus on the electrification of school buses, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what the genesis of that was and, you know, how it became such a high priority item for the organization. Sure, sure. 
Well, one of the topics that we spend a lot of time working on and, and we're at the forefront of is thinking about global climate change and what we can do to address that. I mean, it's unfortunate that we're seeing the effects um, because of climate change. And so that's been a, a broad issue that we've been working on. And in in thinking about transportation, um, it, it it plays in the U.S. It's the, it's the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the U.S. currently. Um, and so that was also a focus related to our work. And then thinking about, you know, where could we make an impact on at scale? Um, so you start thinking about fleets and the School bus fleet was one that had had some attention, but, you know, not fully, you know, not fully part of the transformation process. Um, there's been a lot of work being done on the light duty fleet. There's been a lot of work that's been done on transit buses, and, and that's actually where we've worked a lot internationally as well. So, you know, we saw an opportunity. Lots of others had, you know, had, had been working in this space. For sure, we weren't the first ones here, and a lot of great advocacy groups, you know, certainly your members had been looking at this issue, uh, but we saw that opportunity to just bring this topic really into its in, into the you know bring this topic forward, working across all players in the in the sector, and 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 really try to make some movement and and have that be part of a broader movement for transportation electrification. One of the things that we think that's is really appealing about um, school buses is that they have this opportunity to normalize transportation electrification uh, for an entire generation. So you think about the kids riding on those buses, you know, certainly as well as their parents and the drivers and others, but, you know, they're going to be thinking about electrification, you know, as, as they go through their lives. So that's a great opportunity. And, uh, and then as we think about our role in trying to address inequalities across the transportation network, but moreover across society, there's a real opportunity to, help bring forward and support underserved communities and have them be part of this transformation and, and be able to benefit, as we like to say, first, because they've been hit the worst and, and really kind of flip the script on that because often it's those underserved communities that kind of are last in line for for the for the benefits of, of new technology. So just a, a whole suite of things that just made it the right time to move forward. And then we were fortunate to have the support of the Bezos Fund to support, you know, our work in delivering technical assistance and in providing support to partners on the ground to to help move forward with their efforts. So it was just a, a good combination of things at the right time. Yeah, that's well put, uh, Sue. You know, I think the one of the of the things that comes to the forefront, you know, when we have certainly meetings and I'm part of Sue's advisory committee is the fact that there, you know, there are so many people with a lot of energy and expertise, and this whole, you know, itch, issue of uh, electrification of the school bus fleet is going to come across, you know, challenges it already has, but the idea that people can work together and see things through these challenges. But as you know, you've been in your role for you know, uh, last couple of years, what have you seen in terms of challenges as, you know, we begin this transformation to a fully electrified school bus fleet? Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, you are right. There are a number of challenges and we, you know, we certainly want to acknowledge, you know, first off, just all of the, you know, hard things that are facing schools and contractors and just the whole, you know, sort of education system. Um, 
right now. Um, you know, we've gone through a lot in the last couple of years. You know, COVID's been part of it, but a lot of other, um, you know, a lot of other hard times and challenges that they're facing. So certainly want to acknowledge that. And, and you know, this is one additional um, piece of this, but one, you know, one where we think there's a lot of great benefits and a lot of great opportunities. So, you know, certainly motivates us. I think the first challenge that um, comes to everyone's mind is um, the high upfront cost of an electric school bus, uh, currently at least. This is new technology. It is very sophisticated technology. Um, so it's earlier, you know, in its, in its development. And there is, there is you know, a, a fairly large delta between purchasing a new electric school bus and one of the alternatives. It can be as much as two or three times as much. So we definitely want to acknowledge that and appreciate that's a a key thing to overcome. Fortunately, we have seen a rise in the incentive programs that are out there. You know, the one that stands out for everyone across the country is the new clean school bus program that was created by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act last year. It has a $5 billion fund for clean school buses, um, one half of which is dedicated solely to electric school buses and, and electric school buses can, can uh, qualify in, in the other half as well. So that, you know, that gives some comfort that there's going to be funding there also through a lot of state programs, utility programs, et cetera, to help tackle those first up, you know, those high upfront costs. And, and then by building that scale um, across the industry, you know, help help bring the cost down as as the manufacturing gets to scale, and and we see the opportunity to then reach what we call total cost of ownership parity, which is kind of a mouthful. So I apologize for that, but it's the idea that if you take into account the the difference in first cost, but then also the great savings in operation and maintenance at the end of the day, you're going to come out at least even or maybe even ahead of where you would be otherwise. And so we think about the $4,000 to $11,000 that we've seen as annual savings per bus, per electric bus for for operation and maintenance. I mean, you kind of um, we we have a total cost of ownership calculator that we use, and and we've looked at a lot of what the um, industry is saying, and we think you know the next five years or so we're going to get really close to that. So definitely an issue now, something that um, we work hard on trying to think about and provide those incentives and and help provide access to the incentives. But you know certainly certainly a challenge. I'd say there's probably two other challenges. One being infrastructure. There there is is both a cost challenge and really a deployment challenge. Um, once you have a bus, you know, you need to obviously have a place to charge it in to, you know, be able to get back on the road every, every day. And, um, you know, this is a new, a new system. And so it takes time to build up that charging infrastructure. And one of the, you know, key things here that we, you know, we say, I think repeatedly is to, as soon as you think about doing an electric school bus or bringing an electric school bus into your fleet, start talking to your utility. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot of resources, a lot of know-how, and they, they need to be a partner in this space. So that's very encouraging to see um, many utilities, um, you know, beginning to um, be key partners um, in the electrification space and, you know, and, and help think through some of the issues, thinking about what kind of chargers to to deploy and what kind of specifications you need there and how does that match up with the bus. Um, it's definitely it's definitely a learning curve and definitely a process. We've got a lot of 
technical assistance guides and tools um, also that we've we've put together to focus on that as well. And then I think there's a broader challenge around familiarity. This is new. You know, we, we're excited to see school buses become of greater and greater interest and in, in out there across the country now, currently in 38 states. Um, but there's still a lot of need to, you know, familiarize you know, all of the players with, with what the technology means and, 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 you know, how to approach it. And so that's a, a place where, you know, we, we take every chance we can to tell stories and, and, and get people together on webinars, sharing stories, documenting case studies and, and really getting, getting about this. Well, those are so, some uh, of the things that, that we're focused on. Yeah. I, you know, one thing you mentioned, Sue, was, you know, your your webinars and, you know, you, you hosted one last week about, you know, workforce development programs related to the electric uh, school bus. And that's, you know, for technicians and, and drivers, there's a bit of an adjustment. I think right now it's probably not talked about, you know, a whole lot. But down the road, I, I think it's going to be something you know, where folks are really going to have to pay a lot of attention to this because I've done a few ride-alongs and driving that bus is just, is different Mm -hmm. than your typical Mm -hmm. diesel bus, whether it's, you know, more silent or the braking or, you know, just being more mindful, uh, you know, of the range, you know, those kind of issues. So you guys did a, a webinar, it was a great webinar I attended. You know, what are your thoughts about workforce development as we continue to deploy electric school buses? Well, we we see it as definitely an area that needs, you know, needs some attention. And, um, you know, we're pleased that there are already the manufacturers working in this space, as well as a number of other programs out there through places like community colleges, you know, just acknowledging the need to make sure that, you know, the drivers themselves, as well as mechanics and attendants, you know, as well as folks working in the manufacturing space, um, you know, have you know, have a sense of you know, what the opportunities are, first of all, um, to be working in this space, which is really exciting, um, but also to feel comfortable, you know, in, in the new roles and the new, you know, the new things that they're being asked to take on. And in our, our webinar that we mentioned, and, and so glad you could be there, we had drivers from three different school districts, um, one in Utah, one in Michigan, and one in Virginia, tell their stories, because they've been there, right? They're, they've been the ones that have, you know, sat behind the wheel and had to, you know, figure out how it all works out. So it was great to have, have their stories. And we have a a group um, that is dedicated specifically to helping think through what sort of additional workforce training curriculum can we put together to help a broad array of players, but including drivers and and mechanics. So we're really excited about this. This is a, an initiative that our lead from our manufacturing, we call it a pillar, but our manufacturing team, Stephanie Lee is leading. So we're looking into how can we um, help supplement what's out there already and put together some curriculum that, that can be useful to help bridge the gap here um, and working with a number of different different players, CalStart, the Michigan Clean Cities, and a group called Manufacturing Renaissance, which uh, is based in Chicago and has done a lot of workforce development in general. So we're, you know, we're excited about this and there's other great opportunities, you know, to be thinking about this topic as well. And one of the things that we also try to uh, draw attention to is when we're working on the policy side of things is to encourage, you know, at the federal level or at the state level, 
encourage policymakers to think about how they can support workforce training. So when they're putting together incentives, for instance, you know, how can you also allow for uh, training to be part of that as well? Because the two have to go hand in hand. You know, we don't want to have the buses just going out there and and not have that, you know, have that critical training be part of that. So, you know, we're excited to see some of the momentum that started. We actually have a working group around workforce development and workforce training that we co-host with CalSTART. And and I think, you know, that's certainly a place for contractors and others who are interested in this space to be part of. And, um, you know, we're excited to, um, you know, start to learn alongside others and share out those learnings on that topic. No, you're you're absolutely right. There's a a pretty large support system kind of developing around this issue, which is good to see because we're going to need it, quite frankly. Yeah. So you know, you know, when when folks are going to look at you know electrification of you know school bus fleets, whether it's the general public, school districts, school board members, contractors, student transportation directors, and district, the first thing you're going to do is going to say, okay. This is completely new technology. You know, everybody's uh, learning curve is going to be a little bit different. But I think the one thing that will people will gravitate to is going to be, you know, what are the success stories out there? And so are mm-hmm. there a couple of those that come to mind, Sue, that you can point to and say to people, hey, yeah, just look at what this place did or what that place did? Absolutely. Well. What's exciting is that we, you know, we do have a growing number of these success stories. The first electric school buses, you know, hit the roads, if you will, um, back in 2014. There were two school districts in California that were kind of out in the front on this. And then since that time, it's been increasing, you know, every year. Um, and this is something that we collect quarterly data on where, well, continually collect the data, but but issue the data quarterly on the trends here and our latest our latest data set shows that there's now 12, 12 sorry, 12,700, actually more than that, electric school buses that have been committed across the U.S. And that's a number that includes both the ones that are on the road and operating as well as that are in the, you know, in the funding queue, um, you know, and will be out, you know, in the coming months. Still a small percentage of the, of all the, you know, all the school buses out there. But the broad success story is that we have, I think I mentioned it, is that we have a school buses committed in, in 38 states. We're really excited that the US EPA just yesterday announced that they're going to double the amount of funding that they were expecting to put out in the first round of their um, rebate program. So instead of $500 million, they're going to put out nearly a billion dollars. Uh, and that's going to bring even more buses out to school districts across the country. We understand that 90% of the applications were for electric school buses. So the vast majority, there were applications from um, all of the 50 states, plus D.C. And, and I think almost all of the territories, as well as the, some of the uh, tribal nations as well. And so that's really exciting to see all that. And I'll, I'll focus on one story that I that I wanted to mention because we wanted to talk about where we've seen um, a contractor involved in the you know in the process and and you know contractors of course are are very active 
um, in in this effort, you know, 40% of the market and, and and really in some ways have been quite quite leading in in adopting electric school buses. So, you know, we're we're excited to see that in general. But the example I wanted to point to is with the eastern band of Cherokee Indians who operate or eastern North Carolina um, Cherokee Nation that operates uh, or has has a school bus that's operated through um, their Boys and Girls Club. I think it's around 25, 26 buses. So fairly, you know, fairly small fleet, but they have recently made a commitment to move to electric. And just in this last year, you know, received delivery of their first school bus, I think it was back in in March of of this year, um, and you know have started that operation process. And I think what you know what's a success story here is, you know, first of all, getting that done is great, but also the partnership that came together around that. So it was the school, it was the contractor, it was the utility that helped jump in uh, Duke Energy to help support the both some school bus investment as well as investment in the infrastructure. Um, and really prove out that this model can work, and you know they're they're on the road providing great rides to kids. So really excited about that, and 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 the chance to do more of that across the country. Yeah, so much great information, you know, on the on this podcast. So if folks want to learn more about WRI in general or the Electric School Bus Initiative that uh, that you head, where can they find that information? Sure, absolutely. Uh, we do have a lot of information, a lot of tools. There's two places I would recommend. First is our website, and folks can go to WRI, the World Research Institute, WRI.org forward slash ESB. Uh, you can find a whole assortment of resources there. We are going to be issuing um, or launching a new version of our website next month. So please do stay tuned for that as well. And then we're also, you know, very happy to have people email us um, if they have any kind of question. You can reach it reach us at esbinfo at wri.org. Perfect. Once again, our guest at NSTA The Bus Stop, Sue Gander. She is Director of Electric School Bus Initiative at the World Resources Institute. Hey, Sue, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to talk to us about electric school buses. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, we really appreciate your engagement. It was great to have the ESB Street Fair at one of your recent conferences. And we just really appreciate the chance to talk to your members.